Hello friends, welcome to Our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Chaz Smith, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. So this week's challenge you might have already seen on Instagram, which directly relates to this week's episode, and it is to attend our guest Jeannie's breathwork class this Sunday, July 24th in which she is actually extending a complimentary invite out to all of our wonderful listeners tuning in. Um, There's so many ways to breathe and connect to our breath. And as Jeannie and I get into in this discussion later on during the interview, she explains how while there is a... Um, a style of breathing um, specifically for this class, the truth is you can show up and breathe in any way that's right for you. So if you're worried about um, the breathing being too intense or too much for you, if you're just not sure, you're a little uncertain, just show up and tune in to your own body and breathe in the way that feels really supportive for you and just enjoy the experience. Um, I really hope you take advantage of this wonderful gift that she's extending because I honestly do think that breathwork classes are a lot of fun. Um, Okay, so our guest, as I already mentioned today, is Jeannie Colwyn, aka the breathwork boss and a stress coach. Jeannie shares with us today a little bit of her own story overcoming many years of chronic conditions and as well how she transitioned into the work she does now why it is so important to her, and so much more. I really love how throughout today's episode, she gives very concrete examples for us to understand and very practical tips that we can begin to implement and use today for our journey. We also dig into the difference between thinking and feeling our feelings, and that's a big one <laughs> that can get so confusing. So I love all the insight that Jeannie left us with today, and I can't wait to share it with you. So let's go ahead and just welcome her to the show. All right, Jeannie, thank you so much for being here today with me and everybody who's going to be listening in. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So I did, I wa- I wanted to say for anyone who's listening, you may have heard about Jeannie before on another podcast episode. If you tuned in to the episode I posted a while back with um, Rachel Sayer, who um, shared her story about healing from migraines. Um, I know that the work that she did with Jeannie was a really big uh, contribution to her healing journey and the breath work that Jeannie does. So I, that was episode 82. So if you guys are feeling like you missed that one and you want to go back and listen to a client testimonial, it would be episode 82. And uh, Jeannie, what I think we'll do is just start out by letting you share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're up to, and how you kind of got to be um, involved in the healing community and what you do. Yeah, sure. No problem. So my name is Jeannie Colwyn, aka The Breathwork Boss. So I live in Los Angeles and I am a stress coach and breathwork facilitator. Yeah, so I really jumped into this wellness and health journey with my own struggles with TMS, chronic pain. I had a very long journey, almost 16 years of health challenges, I'll say, and not knowing it was TMS or mind-body chronic pain. I had the back pain, the insomnia, 
which later I found out or I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I dealt with chronic fatigue, so depression, anxiety, insomnia, the all the symptoms. I mean, I feel like I've had so many things kind of happen, um, chronic, what are they called, sinus infections and tummy issues that I had a scope put down me there was nothing wrong, had a little ankle surgery for the ankle pain. There's nothing wrong, so to speak. So yeah, feeling quite powerless in my journey and things really did change when I found out that this TMS community existed, the mind-body approach. And yeah, I started my journey with health coaching with clients and which is so interesting and fun for me is that as a health coach, I was helping people maybe with like their weight or trying to improve their health, which is awesome. And I really love it. But I just kept seeing this common theme about stress. Like it wasn't just how many calories you're eating or, or how many carbs, right? It really had to do with something deeper with stress. We're eating because we're stressed or we're eating because we've got emotional problems going on. And I just saw this common thread with a lot of my clients and just the health coaching space of stress. And really got interested in it and really shifted to now being a stress coach and a mind-body coach. And I teach breath work. All right. So you had dealt with your own kind of journey of healing for 16 years, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16 years. I definitely had on and off. So it wasn't the whole entire journey, just doom and gloom the whole time. I'd have flares. I've had periods of time where there'd be months where I thought I had overcome everything And then I get another flare. I was a high school teacher. I don't know if you knew I was a high school teacher for many years, 18 and a half years. And it's very, very stressful. So that was part of my journey, being in a career that I wasn't passionate about anymore. And to be honest, and I've talked to some of my clients too, the health did kind of keep me stuck. It was a very reasonable excuse to not make changes in my life, right? To not pursue my dreams because who can leave a stabled career when what you're going into is the unknown, right? Coaching and being an entrepreneur. When I had so many health issues, it seemed very reasonable and logical and my ego loved it, right? Stay in a career that's safe and very reliable and very comfortable because everything was taken care of. I had health insurance and I had tenure. So Yes, I definitely dealt with entire summers being in like crippling pain and, oh, you have the summers off. Well, if I was in so much pain and not enjoying it, it didn't really feel like fun. And I was on disability several times throughout this journey, but I really took a turn for good and so much healing when I found out about the mind-body connection. But that's why I can just relate so much with people who have struggled for so long because I did too. And I didn't know that I had this mind body. I didn't know about the mind body connection until the very end of my journey, unfortunately, which is why I'm really passionate about sharing this with so many people and telling people that it's possible. And as we say, our power is within and it's so exciting for me. That's awesome. So you actually, um, you weren't, already a coach you the coach came through your journey of healing yeah I mean I always knew I wanted to be a life coach as when I was a teacher so I always knew I wanted to be a coach and I had gotten lots of coaching on myself and then when I was actually going through certification and I was like oh I could be I should be a health coach this is exactly what I am excited about what I love to talk about 
And then learning more about mind body, yeah, really transitioned into especially now helping people with mind body and or stress. So it's kind of like two parter. You get both things with me, right? So we get to talk about all the things. It's so fun because with the mind body, sometimes people we work together about their pain and their chronic pain and then Stress obviously is a big part of that. So we got to dive into what's causing some stress that's affecting the pain, right? Finances, relationship, career. So kind of bring this big umbrella of all the stuff that we can dive into. Right. Absolutely. So you, um, as you were like going, you learned about mind body healing and you were on your own journey. What mm-hmm. did you find were some of the most prevalent tools that supported you? Cause most of us have discovered mm-hmm. that it's usually not just one. It's like a combination of, of tools that we use to really get through and move through that, the health challenges. Yeah, I think for me and what I tell clients too, really, I've heard other coaches say this, the less is more approach with, in my opinion, as well with the mind body. I think the biggest thing, if you're going to say what's the biggest one sentence you can say for someone with mind body is accepting that the fear is fueling our symptoms. I mean, that right there is such a loaded, huge, if we can really get that, that the fear, the worry, the catastrophizing is making things worse. And when I didn't know about mind body, right, when I really didn't know what what was wrong with me, I didn't know if I could heal and just, oh, just think good thoughts and be positive, right? It didn't really click with me because, I mean, yeah, I can think positive, but I don't even know what's wrong with me. And I don't know what the heck is making me flare. And is it the food? Is it this or that? But going back to it's the science, it's the data. And if someone wants, well, I can't stop catastrophizing. I don't want to get out of fight or flight, or I don't know how. It's like, we got to come back to the data supports. And we know with the science, we've got to bring the fear down. We've got to bring the fight or flight down. We don't heal in the fight or flight state. So the physical, the mental, the emotional healing, I tell my clients is going to happen when we're out of the fight or flight. So that would be a huge maybe mental shift, not much maybe as, as, as a tool, but of course, you know, I'm going to talk about breath work and I love breath work as a huge tool to get out of the monkey mind, to get into your body. A lot of the tools I use with clients are very somatic in nature and somatic just means more with the body. So I know for me, I was very much in my head. I don't know. Are you ever in your head, Chasmith? And like (laughs) anyone can relate. I think people come to me because I'm very open about the monkey mind and right. Like maybe we try to battle our thoughts or try to control them and manage them. And I never use, I actually cringe when anyone says, sometimes I work with corporations and they're like, we want to stress management or like, how do we control the thoughts? I always cringe because I don't know, it doesn't work for me. Like, how is it working for you? So really getting into the body because we can do, and I work on that, right? Like, what are we thinking? Like, let's see the thoughts like clouds. There's so much we can diffuse our thoughts, not engage with them, not get hooked into them. But also, so that's one approach, but really tools I use are how do we get into the body? When you're in the body, the body is going to influence the mind. So this is like an example that I give, right? If if you're really stressed out and I just said, Chasmith, just relax. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. great, Jeannie, thanks. That's not very helpful, probably, right? Um, so the cognitive, right? Even telling ourselves, just relax. Or when I was a teacher, telling my students, relax, calm down, it didn't do so much. But when you... When you start with the body and the breath, which is body-based, or we do some somatic tracking, we do breath work, we go for a walk, we use the body, the body's going to influence the mind. And through the body 
and really tuning into the body embodiment, like doing a yoga class, guess what? Through the body, now the mind is going to listen, is going to follow, not just by telling the mind to relax, telling yourself to calm down, or maybe going like all these different strategies of thoughts and thought work. I mean, that's just a lot of thought. <laughs> so um, my approach really too is also, like I said, these somatic tools and breath work is my favorite if people like meditation and it helps them, but breath work is more of an active meditation. So it does attract me and my people who are very much in our heads and have a hard time with perhaps the traditional type of meditation. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. You mm -hmm. do what's called a three-part breath work, right? Because there's yes. lots of different kinds of breath work out there. I mean, it can be as Definitely. simple as, you know, a two count in, four count out, um, just, you know, just gentle belly breathing through the nose. Like, I mean, I could go on and on. It's infinite. But you have a specific kind of breath work that you're referring to for, um, for mm -hmm. the sake of the conversation, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, some people call it connected conscious breath. And yes, it's a very loose umbrella term. You are correct. There's lots of different types. Um, through this three-part breathing, um, now there's some controversy around whether or not this can be activating for the nervous system or um, actually calming. And mm -hmm. I know that some people can feel like it's almost too much. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? Is, is that, do you feel that also or do you feel like it's all in the approach? I mean, I really like people to know that, again, going back to your title, like the power's within, right? So I'm just guiding you through it. You can slow it down. You can go, you can just listen to it. I mean, during a breathwork class, I'm coaching the whole time and there is incredible music. And I know in these times, sometimes we're feeling so disconnected in a class, you can really start to engage with others and feel safe. So I say just try it out, right? I mean, you could even... I mean, not even with me, if there's someone else that you resonate with or breath work, you can just listen. So sometimes my mom will take a class and she's just doing normal breathing. She's not even doing breath work. So I would say if someone's nervous, I mean, definitely check in with your doctor and see if there's an underlying health condition first that might that might prevent going farther. But I mean, breath work has been shown to be very successful and helpful with PTSD, people who suffered from that and from, you know, it's very here in LA, like it's very well known in like the addiction and recovery centers. There's like a lot of like in AA, this is used widely. So I'd say yes, of course, it is possible. Like, I know some people can't do a body scan, some people are very sensitive to like regular meditation, it can be traumatizing, or maybe like a, a yoga class, right? Because Yes, the trauma is in our body. So I would just say trust yourself, maybe take it step by step. If you can't do a body scan or you're very unable to do some of these other safe practices, like I said, yoga, then maybe breath work would be something to do when you um, when you get up to that step, perhaps. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I've had very great success and good stories um, with people. I also offer like I have a a free 15 minute mini sessions, I can give you more information at the end where people can get that. And that would be a great way they could just listen to it, they could just do it for a few minutes and not feel all the pressure of having to do a long session. Mm, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. When you do your three part, is it through is it uh, breathing in through the mouth or the nose? Yeah, it's it's through the mouth. So I have the mouth open the whole time. So because the, the nose isn't plugged, we're going to obviously use the nose a little bit. But yes, the mouth is open. And the reason is we can take in more oxygen that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Do inhales and an exhale. Yeah. But you're saying that somebody could also benefit from um, lying through the class and just um, altering the breath in whatever way serves them. And if that means doing 
nasal breathing, but still having the, the, the connecting experience and listening to your guidance and the music, there's still value and benefit. Yes, absolutely. That's why I love this practice because we get to make it your own. So yeah, if it's too stimulating with the mouth open, definitely, you could definitely do nasal breathing. These are just suggestions for optimization. So optimal would be lying down on your back because when you're flat like a straw, you can get in more oxygen. But I've had people, Chasmith, even do breath work in their car, not driving, not driving, please. But um, <laughs> especially in the pandemic when everyone's at home. So in their car, the seat back, so, or you could be sitting, but optimal, yeah, is laying down. But I love when people are creative and they tell me, oh, I've got a full house of kiddos. So we're going to make this work. And that's great. Yes, you can make it work. And air is free. You can do this anytime after taking one class. You really have the empowerment and the knowledge and the tools to do it anytime you want. And that's what I love about it too, because it's not... When I went on my journey, and I know a lot of people can probably relate, have you been relying on chiropractors and acupuncturists and different healers, and you get to become your own healer with breathwork, right? And there was so depend much dependence on my end, I'm just going to talk about me, of if my chiropractor was busy or he had to cancel, I couldn't get an appointment or, you know, different things, I get a flare on a Friday morning and I knew, oh my gosh, like the office is going to be closed for the next three days. So it's so exciting that this is a tool and modality that you don't have to rely on somebody else. So you can see why I'm really passionate about it because we get to take our power back and it's yeah. so helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And you use breath work um, when you discovered it for your own healing as well. It really helped me on my journey of leaving teaching, actually, because what happens is you're able to quiet the ego and get into your heart and intuition. So I used it a lot. I mean, I went through a breakup and it was just so healing because emotions are getting processed and released, past trauma is getting released. So when I wanted to leave teaching, but I was so scared and I tell people I was so scared. So I get it. It was very safe to be a teacher. So breathwork really supported me in quieting down the ego and getting to my truth. And the truth was really that I could do this, that, I mean, the ego, of course, is telling you all the things that are true. You've never done it before. You don't have any clients like everyone when they first start. And so the breathwork, it just got back to my intuition and my core beliefs, which is that I could do this. I could figure it out. So it really helped me in that area. And that's exciting. It helps support me move forward with the breakup, right? Instead of pushing it down, which I tended to do. And then definitely with the healing journey, because even if we are on the other side with any healing journey, you know, there's could be a lot of shame that's in our body. There could be trauma, just trauma from the medical industry of just not feeling worthy or feeling like we didn't really matter or being judged, all of the things. I think there's a lot that can happen if you've been on a long wellness journey. Um, so I think breathwork really helps move a lot of that and release what is no longer serving us. It's a great, even if we're physically on the other side, I think we always have stress in our body that we need to move and perhaps some of these things that are not useful anymore. Absolutely. And in your experience, how often do you think there's value in doing breath work, like especially because the kind that you're referring to, it can be. I've done it. It can be a little intense, like it, mm -hmm. it. It's a lot, you know. So, is this like something that we should be doing once a week, multiple mm -hmm. times a week, once a month? Like, what is I? Is there an optimal, or is it really just super individual? 
Yeah, I think it really is super individual. I mean, I think it depends on if people are resonating with it and they like it. So here's the thing. I mean, there's resistance with doing some of this work, right? And that's oh, yeah. part of breath work. So just like, I always give this example and I remember that not everyone doesn't like to go to the gym. So for me, it's like, oh, go to the gym. Don't really love it sometimes. Eh. Uh, and then once you're there, most of us never think, oh man, I'm mad that I came to the gym today. So um, yeah, I think the hardest is starting. There's always resistance in my class. I use really good music in the beginning because I want to kind of compensate for that. So I tell people if they're really excited about it and they want to do it, they could commit. My mentor said 10 minutes a day but certainly does not have to be every day. It's really kind of intuitive. It could be maintenance once a week. I mean, it's like yoga. It's like meditation where it's your practice. So a full session could be 40 minutes. 10 minutes would be a great start. So I'd say my mentor, like I said, always suggests a 10 minute. And what happens is when you set the stage for 10, a lot of times now we've gone over the resistance, we can continue. So yes, it's a very personal choice and depending on how you're feeling and what you need. And that's the great thing. Breathwork's going to give you what you need. Like you don't even know what you need and Breathwork's going to be there to support you. So it's beautiful. That's so cool. Do you only offer it online or do you actually do it in person too in, your, in the town you live in? Yeah. So now that things are opening up again, I am doing more in person. So I did only a few during the pandemic in person, but yes, I was doing everything. So I had to really pivot and change. Everything was in person before the pandemic. I had never done an online class before. And now it's so funny that I have international community and people all over the world. And I do things with corporations now and just starting to re-enter. I actually, this weekend, I'm doing it in person. Yeah. And I do in like little for like small events or for couples in their house, my house. Yeah. Different options. It's really, really lovely in person. If anyone is listening is in the LA area, make sure you stay tuned because that will be happening soon. Hopefully you're going to rally one at the beach too. Cause that's really fun. <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh, I know. Perfect. Uh, then you're like breathing in all that, um, salty, um, negative <laughs> ion oxygen <laughs> from the sea. Yeah. I've seen sometimes breathwork, they time it, which is so amazing. They time it so that when you finish, you can time that and sync that up with the sunset. So that would be exciting. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. And That's while you're at it, throw in an ice bath because, you know, in, in <laughs> Southern or not Southern California per se, but just in California in general, the water's so cold. Yes, no, definitely. <sighs> yes, but yes, the power. And it's also the power of community. It's really lovely yeah. to be in person. But yeah, that's why we have options. So if someone feels safer doing it online, some people, some of my regulars were not into the online option. And I was like, just try it. I mean, got to do what we got to do in these trying times. But I know people are very excited to be back in person again. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to replace that level of connection. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it also is a gift that we have the ability to still figure out how to connect through time and space in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had a, I had a student take my breathwork class in LA. He was in town for the summer and he lives in Italy. So yeah, it was so cool. I had, hadn't talked to him or seen him in a while. And as soon as I was up and running with the online, he joined. So, so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So cool. That, it's a good, it's a good, like the good positives, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh. And Rachel too, you mentioned her at the beginning of the podcast. She's in Spain and yeah, she joins in pretty much every time. It's one of her healing tools on her on her healing journey. That's awesome. 
Okay, so we kind of brushed a little bit on breath work, but I also really want to get into the power of your the stress, the stress coaching, this idea mm-hmm. of kind of managing and um, overcoming these day to day internal stressors. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, if you could maybe just get into a little bit about what that is, because um, mm-hmm. some people might have never even heard of a stress coach coach, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, there was a point that I, I didn't know what that was until I, um, I think until we first had a conversation and you told me that's what you did. I was like, oh wait, people <laughs> actually do that. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe you could just share a little bit about like what that is. And then we could actually get into some, maybe what I'm thinking is like, even go over some of these, uh, common internal stressors or common mm-hmm. day-to-day stressors that you, that you see your clients bump up against. And mm-hmm. maybe I would love if we could create some practical guidance for people to walk away with today. Oh yes, definitely. Let's talk about some stress tools at the end. So some takeaway tips, like the best, the best of the best for what you can do. So yeah, so definitely love to jump in and yeah. So I know I had mentioned to you that perhaps thinking of a stress coach, not even knowing that that exists and everyone's different. So I'll just talk about my, my experience. I kind of would think, okay, a stress coach, she's just probably going to do meditation and yoga. And I am a yoga teacher actually, and a meditation teacher, but I really take this less is more approach. And what I'm finding with the stress, a couple things, first of all, stress is in the body. Okay. So I was a teacher really stressed out and I was in denial Chasmith about my stress. Um, oh, teaching isn't that stressful and I don't have kids. So I just didn't accept when I was having all these chronic pain, like you cannot, I can't be stressed. Like I don't have kids. I have so many great friends and they're such hardworking moms and dads. And since I'm not a parent, like I can't have like all my physical problems that cannot be from stress. Right. And like, just, this is what I have a full-time job and that's it. Right. So I really denied it. So first of all, and stress is in the body. So when I was talking about the somatic practices and we know, I'm sure you've heard of the book, um, the body keeps the score. Have you heard of that book? Yeah. So the body keeps the score, right? So the body keeps the score with emotions, trauma, and the stress is in the body. So here's the deal. If we're just like talking about things or maybe writing them down, I mean, that can be helpful and that's a great approach, but really bringing the somatic practice with it because from the body, we're going to start to move it through. And I always tell people that, for example, after a hard day as a teacher, I'd come home, I was so stressed out, right? Maybe have some cookies, lay on the couch, watch Netflix later that night, maybe have a glass of wine. Yay, stress is gone. (laughs) Because like I've unwind, you know, I was unwinding and that's okay. There's no judgment, but the stress is in the body. And really what I want people to get from this is like, it's an active process. It's not passive, like what I did. I mean, again, like we can do this and we need to rest and recharge, but that was my kind of go-to, right? I mean, not the same thing every time, but yeah, definitely just lying on the couch, needing to recharge and maybe not working out or maybe not doing some of these active things because I was so depleted from my day and I wasn't enjoying what I was doing that the idea of coming home and now going for a walk and now I'm doing meditation, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like I already gave, you know, eight hours of my day doing something I didn't like. (laughs) Now I have to do other things I don't like. That sounds awful. So that's a first clue, right? Is that we want to be in alignment with something that we want. So in terms of stress, what I found is what I used to think. So first of all, that's one thing, right? The stress is in the body. It's an active approach. And I'm going to give you some 
really helpful tools at the end of this to to share like what do you do to like move the stress like it's in the body we need to move it it's not just like lying on the couch and doing stuff but again it's like I kind of thought about too is what I would think too is like okay I have these stressors in my life so what do we what do we think causes stress maybe money a career a relationship our health and I was at this this is what I did well when these things get better then I won't have the stress and I just need to fix these external. So mm-hmm. the relationship, right, that's just got to get fixed. And yeah. I just got to deal with it. And the finances, I can't allow myself. I couldn't even, and this is what I see with my clients too, with the health. Like I really didn't know how to have fun, Chasmith, and have joy in my life when I was sick. Like how could I have fun? How could I be happy? Like that did not, it was like this black and white thinking, which I see with my clients a lot. And so what we want to do is, even if the external hasn't shifted, the shifting comes within, right? And again, going back to your title, which I love so much, our power is within. And that's exactly the same situation with with stress coaching. I had a client, we finished our package together. And at the end, if you look at her results, right? Maybe she didn't have, she didn't, she didn't have all the goals that we set for her at the beginning of the three months, right? She didn't lose all the weight yet. Her house wasn't immaculate yet. But she was so happy because she knew she could do it because you know what she had? She had self-worth, self-esteem. She loved herself. And it's like, those are the things that I have no doubt that she can continue to get those goals because the internal stressors have changed. So when I talk about the internal stressors, so the external, that makes sense, right? It's like your finances or, you know, COVID was very stressful. And the thing is, is that like, we have very little control over a lot of that, like, I don't have any control about what the rules in Los Angeles are with COVID and my job. Like there's a lot of things I don't have when I was a teacher control over. And so thinking we're going to have control, first of all, is very stressful. So that's helpful maybe for some people is that control, the way I learned it, like control is an illusion and thinking you have to have control. I remember I was talking to my coach and I was a teacher. I was like, I got to control these kids and control, control. I had 250 students at the time. so. This control, and she said the most, <laughs> like the most profound thing. She goes, "Jeannie, you, you cannot control 250 kids. Like <laughs> sure. that's not you cannot. You can't even control yourself, right? Your own thoughts." I was like, "Oh, you know how much stress that took off? Just knowing that, like, it's okay that yeah, of course you can't control all high school kids all day, right? Like that is very that's a stressful thought." So some of these internal stressors that I'm talking about that I help clients with, it's like the shifting, like with my client, right? So, I mean, having self-love again, and I could see it with her behavior. She was setting better boundaries. And it's like, you know, sometimes we focus on the goals and what we've achieved. And I'm really clear on it's the steps that we're taking. and It's like what we're implementing. So if someone's working with me to lose weight, for example, maybe you didn't hit your goal yet, right? But like, look at all the progress you've made, look at all the good steps that you've taken. And you're not at your goal yet. But that's what we kind of do in our society, we look at the results, right? How many clients do I have? How much weight did I lose? Like, what's the end result, we kind of miss the whole progression. So the internal stressors, I mean, we're talking perfectionism, people pleasing this like negative self talk, we have low self-esteem, the ego really in charge, our scarcity mindset, these limiting beliefs, like thinking we can control things like this is so, 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 so stressful, some of these things. So when we have a scarcity mindset, that could be with money, 
that could be with time and really shifting the internal really, really calms down the body. It is, it's a game changer. What we can do about our limiting beliefs, right? Even beliefs about time. I don't have time. I can't be successful. Really shifting what's going on on the internal because that's when you're going to see changes in the external, okay? So we think I've got to change the outside, right? I've got to lose weight. I have to change my job. That's the only way the stress is going to change. And I'm telling you, we got to do it from the inside, right? Like we're chasing the external. I want the new car. When I have the new car, I'll be happy. We get the new car. It's a temporary fix. And then we want the fix again, okay? So a lot of things that we're shifting are coming from the inside with the work that I do. And it's not the typical like control your thoughts or like change the situation. It's really shifting the inside. Mm. I would love more clarity in that because I was actually just going to ask you that. I was going to say, okay, if we have these like scarcity mindsets, you Mm -hmm. know, or these limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and we want to change from the inside out, but how Mm -hmm. do we change those without super awareness and then controlling our thought? Right. Okay. So I would say exactly what you said. The first part is awareness. And this is why coaches even have coaches. I mean, this is like a growth on top of growth on top of growth, right? Like, in my world, I just want to learn more and learn more about ourself, myself. So yeah, how do we know we have certain beliefs? I mean, some of us know just like based on what do you believe about money? When I say uh, time is money and time, money doesn't grow on trees and people that are rich are greedy, like what, what do you resonate with, right? So sometimes working with a coach is really helpful, taking, you know, reading a book, taking a masterclass, like learning, and also like, look, look and see what's like a result for you in the world, right? So if you look at me, I was in a job that I wasn't happy with. And I was afraid to leave. So I probably had some beliefs about money, right? So if you actually look at what's happening in your life, you might be able to catch some beliefs. But the good news is that there's a lot of people like us who are here to kind of challenge you on these and, and share with you. So I will say like, let's have a lot of compassion with this process that sometimes we don't know, or it's, it's hard to coach ourselves, so to speak, but you can look at like seeing what's going on in the world, right? If you never have money in your pocket, you're always broke. If you're always attracting like the same man or woman, like you might like look at in your life in areas that are not where you want with your goals. And you can, there might be some digging to do about your beliefs about it because your beliefs drive everything. And the number one first step, like you asked, is awareness. Yeah, absolutely. So does that make sense? Like if someone's struggling with their money, right, or with clients or with something, I would say, well, what do you believe is possible? It's like pretty easy to catch them when when people are talking and sharing about where they are with a certain situation and not what they want. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just Mm -hmm. curious, like how we go from there, you know, like, okay, Mm -hmm. I have, I discovered this belief that is obviously um, dictating my outcome, but how do I shift this belief without shifting my thought? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, like you said, awareness is really, really helpful. What I like to do is look at the causes of it. So we don't have to know all the causes, but maybe I got it from my parents. Maybe something happened. Right. And then really looking at the benefit gain of this, this is like the introspection, right? Like what's the benefit gain in terms of like, what am I avoiding by keeping this belief? How is it keeping me safe? So for me, when I thought that I can't leave this job because, um, for example, I didn't know how to get clients or I'm not good enough. Like, oh, I've never taken, I don't have any sales experience. Oh, I've never taken any business classes. Right. I mean, some of these beliefs of like, I can't do it, uh, 
the way it helped benefit me is that it kept me safe, right? I didn't have to risk disappointment. I didn't have to risk failure. So that's like a great next step is like, what's the benefit of keeping this belief? And if we're able to approach this with curiosity instead of judgment, I think that would be helpful. Um, The next thing is to really look at what it's costing you in your future to keep this belief, right? So if I believe as a entrepreneur, all rich people are greedy, (laughs) what's it going to cost me? Well, I'm never going to be successful or rich or whatever that means in my business if I think that everyone who's rich is greedy. So what's it costing you? So for me, if I had beliefs about money or my success, it's going to cost me clients success, right? Like maybe we wouldn't have connected because if I had thoughts like nobody likes me, Chasmith, like I'm no good, then I wouldn't connect with people online or I wouldn't reach out or I wouldn't feel comfortable being on podcasts. So that would be like the next two steps. Is that helpful? And then I can keep going too. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So just to clarify, so what's the belief? Okay, if you want to dig into like what's causing it, again, it could just be society. That's what everyone thinks. Or maybe I learned it um, in the church or in the temple. Okay, so what's the benefit of holding on to this? Like I said, it could just be not failing, not disappointing, right? Not making mistakes. Um, And then what's it costing you, right? So for me, like, again, with, with leaving like my teaching job, it was affecting my emotional health, my physical health. I mean, everything like I it's so funny because they say like the comfort zone right like it's comfortable it's actually quite uncomfortable there too because it's miserable like I was so miserable in the comfort it was like anxiety both ways right I was miserable staying in a position that wasn't aligned with me but then I was so scared to leave and then the other next step for that is to challenge it okay that's like the really fun part challenge it is it true is it true? Has there anyone else that's left one career and gone to another? <laughs> is it only Jeannie Colwin in the whole universe that can leave a job and like not start another one, right? Is there anyone else that I know that has been, that's an entrepreneur or who's a coach? And yeah, I think that's like amazing to look at their exceptions. Has there ever been a time in my life where I didn't know how to do something and I figured it out? Has there ever been a time in my life where I was scared, right? And I had a lot of evidence and other people that I could look at. And even in my life where, has there ever been a time I I didn't know my next step and I turned out okay. So that, I think that would be the next step. And then really deciding really, really, really my mentor, James Wedmore, if you want to write the word belief down, he has us like circle the word lie in it. And to just realize that a lot of these beliefs are lies to keep you safe, right? And it's like, now what's the new belief? Like, what do I want to work on? Like, what do I want to reinforce, right? Because if I keep that old belief, it's like, what is that going to cost me? What's, what's going to change in my life? So really making the decision that if I choose to keep this old belief that was holding me back, like, it's not going to get me to my goals. Am I willing? Okay, that's a great word that people can write down. Am I willing to be uncomfortable? Am I going to be open to a, like this willingness to be uncomfortable? I'm going to have some disappointment. I'm going to have some failures. I'm going to have some obstacles. But is it? am I willing to have that for my new goal that I really, really want for myself? And is that in line with my values? So a lot of us are not even sure what our values are. And so we stay in things, again, because they're comfortable. Um So yeah, then supporting that with like your next action step. So like if you did believe this new belief and you're starting to shift and like this little process that I'm going over right now, this isn't something that 
in like this five, 10 minutes, you're probably going to overcome. This is like with coaching and maybe with reinforcement, but this is something that you can do on your own. It's like constantly like choosing this new belief and deciding that you're willing to be uncomfortable, that you're willing to go through some of this uncertainty for the goals that are now are in line with your values taking action from that stuff. Like what is the smallest, like next little stuff that you can do is I think a great way to end this, like this little part of, okay, great. You know, it's like some of these steps that I pointed out. And now what's the less, like the least scary little next step you can do. Yeah. Action. And then that brings us back to the body. Yeah. And so the next little step is like, okay, I'm going to take like a breathwork class. I'm going to go for a walk. And then what's the next inspired action for your dreams? So maybe it's research, like if someone's looking for a new job, maybe just updating their resume or putting themselves on LinkedIn. And maybe it's like putting myself on LinkedIn, that's way too much. The first step, I'm just going to sign up on LinkedIn, right? It's like really taking it down, like little, little baby steps. I'm just going to open up my browser and like look at my resume for three days before I update it or before I do anything scary. It's like little baby, baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. And like really understanding like I did not understand that taking risks is okay failing is okay because I had a very I was like a classic TMS mind body um I still am with the with the um like really wanted to doing things perfect and never wanting to fail and so it really I had to shift like my mindset and work on it because if I want this which is like good health and I want success in my business am I willing to to deal with the inevitable, right? Like there are going to be some failures. There are going to be disappointments. There are going to be setbacks and challenges and successful people know that. And we're willing to move through that and be uncomfortable. The other thing too, is that if you're not comfortable, which I was not with feeling emotions, which again are in the body, this is going to be your superpower. Mm. Yeah. So I'm going to share a bit about that too. Yes, please. Okay. I've said this before, one of my clients uh, listened to me. She's like, yeah, okay. So feeling emotions is a superpower in my opinion. And this is why I can take risks and I'm not perfect. Like things hit, right? Like in terms of, oh, that stung, ouch. Or, oh man, (laughs) that made me sad. That made me angry. Like we are human beings. We are meant to have a rich, profound life full of emotion. And like Tony Robbins will say, the quality of your life the quality of your emotions okay so if you're like me I pushed my emotions down that's partly reason I got sick so emotions are super sticky icky for a lot of us they're very uncomfortable so here's the thing a lot of us don't want to take risks right I saw my neighbor the other day he's like I don't want to date nope not for me I don't want to deal with any of that because he had a bad situation he got a little bit heartbroken right so I don't want to date And if you just look at his dating as an example, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. People don't want to date because there's rejection, there's disappointment, there's failure. But if you do want something aligned with your values, a partnership, a connection, love, intimacy, it's a risk. So being able to process and feel your emotions is a superpower because it's not going to hold you back anymore. So I can take risks in my personal life, in my business, and I'm just like everyone else. I don't like to feel sad. I don't like to be angry, but they're healthy and I'm not running from them. And I'm not trying to control or manage them. 
So I allow them, I make space, I breathe into it. I know there's nothing wrong with me. And that's been really, really helpful. And sometimes when I work with men, right, there could be stigma of, of being sad, right? Sometimes men, women too, but we're angry instead of really feeling and processing our sadness. We wear this mask of anger. So a lot of us sometimes avoid certain things because there is possibly emotions involved. Um, and so learning how to process and heal, knowing that feeling emotions is uncomfortable. It's not comfortable at all, I don't think, but it's part of being a human being. One of my clients, we were talking about emotions, like, yeah, 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 okay, I've got it. So like, how long do I have to do this? And like, I don't have to do this my whole life, right? I was like, yeah, buddy, this is what it means to be a human being. If you want a big life, if you want intimacy, connection, if you want to like live life in a big way. Um, because sometimes like, like, let's say something happens and we have sadness, we have anger, we have shame about it, it could hold us back, right? We're never going to want to do anything like that again. So if you can forgive, if we can forgive ourselves, if we made a mistake, if we can change the thinking about it, right? So if we have low self-esteem, we have the ego that's like, never take a risk again, never fail. Oh my God, that was awful. Someone had a nasty comment or someone didn't like me. I mean, there's lots kind of under the surface, but just at, if you're, if you struggle, like I did with being able to feel your emotions, that's really where I help people too, because we go to the thinking a lot with our emotions. So we think our emotions, we judge our emotions. It's all sneaky ways. The mind keeps us out of the body and the emotions are in the body. That's where we feel them. And the quote that I love, she says, I think her name, it's from, it's the girl who, Glenn, oh, Glennon Doyle. She says, you know, feelings are for feeling. I heard that. I thought, oh my gosh, that's so profound. <laughs> feelings are for feeling, right? And I didn't feel them. I would just think them. I think I get lost in the story. And when we don't feel them, like they're in the body, they stay, they compound, and it's really stressful. So if we can start to process and feel and release, we can feel better, faster. And feeling them, like I said, it really is something. We. I was a teacher almost two decades. I never taught people how to do this, students how to do this. So many of us struggle with this. And that's a huge part of the work that I do too. And really, like, let's say, Chasmith, that we're sad about something, right? So something happens. Let's just say something in, at work happens and we're really sad. What happens for most of us is that we tend to judge on top of that. We tend to judge ourselves. I shouldn't be sad or I'm too sad about it or kind of rash. So now we've got sadness and then we've got this kind of unnecessary, unnecessary suffering on top of it. So if we can kind of take that layer off and then just deal with the one layer <laughs> of sadness, it's less stressful. Mm. Can you give an example, like a concrete example mm -hmm. for people listening of, so if there's people out there and they are like, oh my gosh, that's me. I think my emotions, but yeah. what does feeling our emotions even mean? Like, how do we, if we're somebody who thinks them, how do we begin to feel them? And how do we begin to know that we're feeling them versus thinking them? Yeah. Great question. Great, great question. Cause it, it's called being dissociated. It was something that, especially if you're dealing with mind body issues, it might be more common for you. So if you think about it, when I had this awareness, oh, of course, I don't want to feel emotions. Emotions are in my body. My body doesn't feel safe. 
I don't like the pain in my body. There's always pain. I was hyper aware of the pain. There's so much. So first, just so much. I just want to give like so much compassion that you're not alone at all if you really struggle with this because so many people that I work with, we struggle with this. So what happens is we tend to get lost in the story. So let's just say you're driving and someone yells at you, you're driving and I don't know, there was like a stupid, you know, kind of just like little alteration. And then you notice that you're like thinking about it and getting mad and rehashing the story. So what I like to just tell clients is when you can, and it's a practice, but when you have the awareness, like notice where it's in your body. Okay, and I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm putting my hand on my heart. That's how I connect to my body. And just little by little, start to notice where we feel in the body. Are you feeling it in your throat? Is it in your chest? Do you feel in your tummy? And just noticing if there are sensations and giving yourself weeks, even months, just to notice like when things happen like body, like if you even want to put a post up, a post it on your computer or something and just go, where is it in the body? I have my clients emotions. Where is it? And the the body, it's, it's like speaking a different language. I was a language teacher. I taught Spanish and communicating with the body. Again, if you're like me and didn't know how it can be like a new, a new language, a foreign language. So really having compassion. So even if you're like, I don't know, I don't get it. I didn't either. I promise. And clients too, like, we don't get it. Like, we don't get it. Like, what do you mean? Like, I really was like, what do you mean the body? Like, I don't get it. And that means like, I wasn't feeling. So I think we kind of know, like, if this is resonating, then you might know, like I did, like, I don't feel like, I don't know what you mean. And if I did, I just like, I'm going to have some wine. I'm going to like distract. Um, so that would be one thing. And you can also notice too, is like some of these activities that we do these coping mechanisms are ways to to avoid our emotions and when you can realize oh the eating maybe the drinking maybe the overworking the over netflixing maybe too much social media maybe too much shopping i mean we've got major addictions in this country and sometimes many times there are ways to escape or numb or to distract ourselves from our emotions. And so when you realize, oh, I don't need these external again, and from the inside, I can start to self-soothe, I can move through it much faster. So I think that's powerful. That's why I say it's a superpower, right? Because we can see how many you know strategies we have that are not so healthy. I mean, in moderation, everything's okay. Or you know, most of, the, most of these things for most people are okay, but when they're really excessive, as a way to numb out, right? To buffer what our emotions are. And when I say to you, like, I get it, it's not comfortable, but we gotta move through them, okay? Like the emotions are in the body and not feeling them and not processing. They're just, they're in the body. They don't they don't go away because it's a new day. Um, and for some of us, like we're gonna get mind-body symptoms. Some people, it comes out sideways. They get angry at a loved one. Things can build up. So just, I think the first step was ha is having awareness every day, multiple times a day. Like, how am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? It'll come. It's a practice. I mean, there's definitely more, but that would be like the simple first step answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, you might not notice or feel the sensations in your body at first. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes what we do is we quit too soon. Yes. Yeah. We like, we do it for like a day or a week or a, uh, you know, a few weeks and we're like, well, I'm not feeling anything. 
I, it's, it doesn't, you know, I just, I'm not good at this. And then therein comes more judgment. Like I'm not good at this. I can't do this. And then we give up or quit, but it just sometimes might take a while for it to really connect if we just don't give up too soon. Absolutely. And you can start with the good ones too. Actually excitement and the excitement and like the nervous fear, it's the same energy in the body and emotions are just energy, right? Like they just need to move through the body. If we give kind of take their power away, right? Of like, Oh, the the sadness, the anger, it's just energy. Like, let's just move it. Let's like be curious with it. Let's just observe it. Right. It doesn't like we are not the sadness and we are not the anger, but just kind of more of a light approach with it, I think would be helpful. But even when you're really excited, I had a client, I remember she messaged me and something really exciting happened. I said, where do you feel it? She's like, oh my gosh, you are so not a therapist. Like no one's asking like, where do you feel it in your body, right? Like this is different. Like I really want her to be more connected to her body and really that might be helpful to notice, oh, I feel excited in my chest and oh my gosh. And that could be tuning in. But if you think about it too, I mean, we could just start with hunger, right? Like most of us feel hunger. What does it feel like? Like without the thoughts, I'm hungry, I need to eat. Like it feels like a little rumbling. I don't know, like a little tingling. Is it like moving? And just kind of getting curious about how the hunger feels in our body could be a, a good place to start too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we don't judge it, right? We don't like, oh my God, again? <laughs> well, most of us, hopefully. <laughs> So once we begin to notice, oh, I'm in a story. Mm, and then yeah. once we can take those next steps of asking, all right, so what am I actually feeling and where am I feeling it? What is What do we then do to support moving it through our body to release it? Yeah, so good. So let me tell you what the research and evidence shows. Is like, so for in terms of stress, so... And like, you can do these whenever order like helps for you. So for me, I need to move. And here's the number one tip in terms of stress, right? So emotions are kind of, everyone's different. And there's more work to kind of dive into like what you need in that moment, right? Like maybe you need to self-soothe, maybe you need some connection, maybe you need to be by yourself, maybe you need a good cry. But in terms of stress, like what do we do for stress? From a stress coach, I have all my clients know this and it's across the board. I don't care who you are. If you're my client, you know the number one way to move stress and you're not going to be surprised is physical activity or movement, aka exercise. So because we are in living in stressful times and maybe most of us don't have any days without stress and it is very compounded, I have all my clients on a just moving their bodies, right? A walk. Um a few times, like three times a week of exercising. And like, I would say three times a week minimum, but getting the heart rate up, moving the body, like, obviously, I want it to be an activity that the person enjoys. So that would be the number one way to move stress. Again, it's in the body, it needs to move. It's more of an active approach with stress, not a passive, like I was just lying on the couch, it's just gonna melt away the stress, right? Like, it's going to fall off of me. Um, so that's the number one. And then there's a couple others that I can share with you too that I like to add, which will be helpful. Okay. Okay. So the breath, okay. There's a reason why meditation, breath work across centuries, years and years. I mean, you can Google, go look at like all the benefits about meditation, the breath and breath work. Okay. And it's there for a reason. And I know some of us are resistant to it, but it works for a reason. So I would suggest it, you could try different types, a guided meditation, you could try breath work, but breath work or meditation, some type of a breath practice, stilling the mind, 
moving through the body, these emotions is, is a great way. And I always tell people like, trust me, if breath and breath work was like number one, I would say it like, ha ha, the breath work is the number one way. It's not, <laughs> but um, it's definitely up there with a helpful tool, right? Um, something else that's really important is like laughter. I mean, laughter is really great for stress. It produces endorphins. And if you're laughing, you're in the present moment, you're probably connecting with someone or maybe you're watching TV, but if you're with other people, that's really helpful. Like these positive social interactions are really helpful, like for the nervous system, right? When we feel safe, when we're with other people. So I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes like if I'm stressed, maybe because I'm really busy with work or when I was dealing with health challenges, it's like, I don't have time to have fun. Have you ever thought that before? Like, I don't have fun. Like that's not going to help me. I need to get all this stuff done. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, especially um, sometimes when you're like sick or in pain, mm -hmm. your life gets smaller and you just do the bare minimum to get by. Yeah. But the research shows that like positive social interaction is really helpful for stress, for yeah. the nervous system. I mean, it is. And then if you're doing that and laughing, right. So if you're with friends and you're laughing, <laughs> um, even better and like even crying it, it shows that again we just feel better after we have a cry and it's not like you have to but in breath work that can be something that happens um, it's not a bad thing and some people kind of push that down right and I, I agree in certain situations if you're at work giving a meeting <laughs> probably not the best time but like supporting yourself and being nurtured and if you're working with someone or just on your own or with a friend right like we know, we know that crying, it helps bring down the stress in the body. And then another one that I'd like to say too, is the um, creative expression. So, and I don't think of myself as the typical creative person. Like I'm not a painter. I'm not like that typical artist. So, but this could be, I have a client who makes amazing TikTok videos and he's super creative. Um, it doesn't mean you have to paint it doesn't mean you have to write poetry, although if you like these, but if you play an instrument or sometimes when I'm cooking, I feel like I'm kind of creative or putting together content material. So yeah, those would be some other ideas to, to support with the stress. And again, it's an active approach. It's not just, I'll take a nap every day and the stress goes away. It's more like in, you know, doing these things to, to help support yourself. Right. Yeah. And I would just say, yes, there's infinite ways to express our creative side mm -hmm. and tap into our creative flow and our creativity. Like a lot of people think they're not creative because they don't do like the creative arts. But like you mm -hmm. said, cooking can be creative. Building a mm -hmm. business can be creative. Like yes. refining your business can be creative. And um, I think it's so good to like acknowledge our creativity rather than I hear so many people like sell themselves short and say, oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I wish I could be creative, but I'm not. And I'm like, but you really are. You're just not, you're just not like connecting the dots and seeing the different way that you might be expressing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then other things can come up too, right? So I know as we're transitioning with COVID and restrictions and stuff, it's okay. Are there new hobbies that you'd like to do, right? Or taking a class or um, doing, yeah, different things that maybe before. And I know for me, like I, I had it, like, I'd always be so scared to try something new. Why? Cause I'm going to suck. <laughs> and what is it about us perfectionists, right? Of being good at everything the first time we do it. And this is the growth. This is getting out of your comfort zone. So there might be a creative endeavor that you want to do, but you're afraid and you think might not be good at it in the beginning. And that's what I help support people with too. And I know 
like coaching in general, right? Is just, yeah, let's take a risk. Let's get out of our comfort zone. And you can find a new hobby, a new skill, like you said, a creative outlet that really we know, like I said, with the data that it does support our mental, physical, and emotional health, right? I mean, hanging out with friends, I know if you're doing that all the time, that's the only thing you're doing, but it really is part of the mind-body experience. And I think, again, when I was so sick, oh, I don't have the time for that, and I can't be happy, and that's a very black and white all or nothing thinking that we want to, that's very stressful (laughs) to think you can't have fun. I mean, how stressful is that to like not think you're worthy of having fun or you don't deserve it? I mean, those are like the deeper conversations we want to get into. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a question about the good cry. Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced this yourself or maybe have clients who have, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, like where that, like, maybe it's like a movie or it's a song or it's just some moment that just like brings out the tears, the watery Mm -hmm. eyes. And you just have this cry and you don't even actually know why you're crying or what you're even sad about. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I don't even know why I'm so sad right now. Like, what is that about? Is it actually just like, is it like one of those situations where we don't always need to know like what is being released or floating, Mm -hmm. flowing through? Like, is it like, what is that? That's a great question. I mean, I know sometimes I'm watching, oh my gosh, there's such a, oh, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin it if someone hasn't seen it, but there's a show that I'm watching that's so sad and I really have to be in the right state to watch it, right? It's like not in the right state for it, but it feels good to kind of connect with our, I don't know like the, like the actual, I'm just going to tell you what kind of I think. I think it is connecting to your body. So like the body knows what it needs, right? Um, So I'll just give you my advice from kind of breath work. So the beautiful thing about breath work and crying does come up quite a bit for some people. It does for me. And sometimes I think I'm going to cry and I don't. And that's why I say like, it kind of supports us with with what we need. But that's why, yeah, sometimes people cry. They're like, I don't know if that, I think that was happy crying, but other things came up. I know for, for, so for example, with breath work, definitely like you don't have to know you just have to know it's coming up to get released and I think that would be helpful I mean I know I mean if you're watching a tv show and someone has cancer and you're probably um tapping into the sadness and the uncertainty and like it's a very emotional movie you're probably tapping into that but like you like we don't know exactly like because we have memories of someone that we know that's gone through cancer this reminds us of parent perhaps because it's a parent on there there is really a lot um i'm not the expert i don't know who's who's a crying expert who's like maybe it's like (laughs) psychiatrist but i just know that um it feels good (laughs) and it is helpful and i know a lot of us if we were grown a lot of people you know man up Uh, i work with people across the pond and i know in england sometimes like you know let's hide our emotions and different cultures in general like in terms of masculinity and being tough, right? So there's a softness I want to bring to this work that it's safe, right? It's like changing the limiting, even like limiting beliefs about this, right? Like it's not safe to express my emotions or I'm weak if I express my emotions. It's really like these beliefs that kind of hold us back. So yeah, I mean, we definitely produce oxytocin and some feel good chemicals when we cry and it is releasing. It's letting the emotions like move through us. So I agree with you. We don't even have to know what it is. We just, we just want to honor that it's coming up. It's coming up to be healed. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will admit, though, because I know that I'm not alone in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's funny how as we're doing this work, how it can be like easier said than done. Like we, it's easy to say, no, I really want to feel my emotions. Like I really do. I want to feel them. I want to allow them to pass through. But then how often in life they become inconvenient in quotation oh, yeah. marks like crying isn't always enjoyable like physic from a physical perspective you get a stuffy nose your eyes <laughs> you know get all puffy and you look bad and you can get headaches like I don't know it's not the most physically comfortable thing it's, and so I find often that I'll tr- tell myself I really want to allow myself to feel and then I'm trying to build that level of trust so that my body and my inner child knows that it's okay to express itself. Mm-hmm. And then it's like the most inopportune times that it wants to present. And I'm like, no, but not today. I got to get ready for work. I can't look all puffy eyed, you know? Oh, <laughs> and it's just so funny. Yeah. It's so funny how we say we're ready, but then it's like, no, it's not convenient right now. It has to be when it's convenient for me. And it's, I think, well, when is it really ever convenient to have a headache or to cry, like to, get puffy eyes or to, you know, get a bellyache. It's never really convenient, but also it's part of letting it happen. Yeah. I mean, definitely. That's why the compassion piece of this too, again, let's just validate how normal and common this is. I mean, we can talk about feeling your emotions. It's a superpower, but when it gets down to it, of course, I just want to validate that. Yeah. And that's why I say with me too, like it's not fun. It's painful sometimes. It's uncomfortable. But having this awareness, and maybe you'll remember some of these things that like not judging ourselves when we are in that when we do feel that resistance. And I see it all the time. And I see it with myself too. Like, I don't think I want to do a breathwork class right now, or there's resistance to a lot of things. But I think sometimes um, it's moving past the resistance. And that's why I don't say that, oh, I need you doing breathwork every day. It's really a a practice that feels nurturing for 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 you and yeah it's such a good point thanks for bringing that up about the emotions especially when we get excited about it and we're talking about it and then when it actually comes <laughs> we're like this but just to keep I mean we're still gonna keep repeating it it's still the truth even if like, we agree it is super uncomfortable and it is gonna come at oppor- inopportune times but it's mm-hmm. still part of the human experience and so pushing against it and resisting it. Like, again, like what we said, if you're, yeah, if you're getting ready for a meeting or you're going to go live, you have puffy eyes, right? Then yeah. And we have to push down things, but I just got in the habit of pushing down so much that that's why I'm really passionate about this because it came out sideways with me. It came out all over in my body for a very long time. And this is something that will help you in lots of areas in your life. And even if you haven't struggled at all with any mind body issues great let's just keep you healthy and flowing and learning that the emotions are energy there's nothing wrong with you you're a normal you're like this is what normal human beings do we have emotion and we're gonna have the good and the bad so to speak and yeah we're here for it we're here to support you (laughs) and I like what you said earlier about living a big life because I don't think we should set the bar so low like oh well I don't have any like major chronic symptoms so I don't need to worry about this stuff Mm -hmm. and it's like okay but like where is that where your bar is set like Mm -hmm. or do you want to live a big life you know because I know I don't want to just be free of symptoms like I want to live a big beautiful life I want to be aligned to my true self I want to accomplish goals and dreams and you know see what I'm made mm-hmm. of in every capacity so yeah I think that resonates with a lot of people too I definitely was not living a big life when I was a teacher it was very safe and 
yeah, there wasn't anything I was scared of on a day-to-day basis really, right? Because it was comfortable, but it wasn't big. And I just get, and there's things that make me nervous now. And I just think of, you know, some, and I talk, share with clients like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this thing. It's not in my comfort zone. And that's when we have excitement, like not knowing how our life is going to go is, is part of the joy of life, right? Like they say, if you're reading a book and you already know everything that's going to happen or you're watching a movie, I mean, it's fun to watch some movies you've already seen it or you've read it, but this is your life. We don't want it to just be like, I know everything that's going to happen in the next three years because I'm not doing anything different and it's all the same. So big life means we're moving through again. I'm just going to repeat what the master, and I don't know if you all love him, but he is like the, like the king of all this. The quality of your life is the quality of your emotions. Tony Robbins and even Brene Brown, she'll say, I don't know if you've heard her say this, like you can't selectively numb your emotions. Okay, I want to kind of say that again, and then I'm going to deep dive into it. So you cannot selectively numb your emotions. So what that means is that I don't want to feel sad. So this was me, right? I don't want to feel sad. And it was subconscious. This is not most people are doing this consciously or not doing this consciously. So what she's saying is that, okay, I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to feel angry. So I'll kind of push those down. I'm going to numb them, right? So if you numb the so-called bad, which there are no bad, but like the sadness and the anger, you're also numbing the joy, the pleasure, the good. That's what the data and the research shows, like unequivocally unequivocally ugly, (laughs) whatever that word is. Like she's like the researcher who does all the research. So you can't selectively numb. So if you're just like, yep, I'm not going to feel the sadness and the anger. I'm just going to feel, you're going to feel. So this is what happens. It's like, oh my God, you start to feel when we can allow for the feelings that in the past we've been pushing down, we can start to feel in a big way. It's like the highs get higher in a good way you're opening yourself up to the joy and especially now because you're probably doing things that before you didn't because it was scary and maybe you fail and so yes this big life and knowing now what we know about Brene Brown if this is the first time hearing about it might really help you like that's what you know when people are depressed right they're not feeling the joy they're not feeling like a lot of people when they're depressed they're actually feeling nothing it's numb for many people depending on like where you are in that but so for many people it's not feeling anything so if you're wanting more joy more pleasure more happiness right it's like all and that's why again tony robbins says that the quality of your life is the quality of your emotions so let's feel them right you're going to start to feel like i said we're going to feel even more joy more happiness when we start to feel the so-called like negative the sad and the angry which is interesting right doesn't that change things up a bit too (laughs) Right. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. I love so it. Big life. Yeah. Big life. Good way to end it. I want to ask one life. more question. Yes. I asked everyone and that is just, if you could only share one message for the rest of your life with the world, what would that message be? Yeah. And I thought about this one and it really goes back to that. We are so powerful from the inside and let's change the internal. I would say let's change the internal shift from the inside and just wait for the magic and just all the external, everything that you want, it's there. It's you're powerful. It's possible for you. And I'm so excited to share that. Yay. Thank you so much. And Jeannie, how can people connect with you and learn more about your offerings and what you do? 
Yeah, awesome. So I'm at Jeannie Colwin Coaching on social media. So I'll spell it for you because it's a bit unusual. It's at J-E-A-N-N-I-E-K-U-L-W-I-N Coaching. So at Jeannie Coleman Coaching on Instagram and on Facebook. And my website is www.jeanniecolwin.com. All right. Well, thank you again for being here with me today and sharing a little bit of your personal story as well as what you do. And I really love and appreciate how you were able to give really concrete examples and some practical steps for people to walk away with today. I know like I know myself when I'm listening to podcasts, I when I hear things that are just really theoretical, I'm always like, okay, but like what are the steps I can take? <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sure there's other people out there who will appreciate like the practical steps. So yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you and I thank you. And um, it was lovely chatting with you. Thank you. I appreciate chatting with you. And thanks for Yeah, let's get into the specifics because I really want people to come away with great tips. Oh, and I want to share too that if anyone is interested, I was telling you about the free 15 minute. It's a mini breathwork class. So this is another tool. And Chaz Smith asked a great question of like, if it was too intense or right. So Um, You could just try it for free. There's no pressure. And that is on my website. So if you go to my website, you can sign up for that, get immediate access and try it out. And that will support you in so many areas of things that we talked about today too. Awesome. And I'll have links for all that good stuff in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Indeed. All right, that is a wrap. And as always, I hope you found inspiration or negative wisdom in this episode. And I really hope you join us Sunday, the 24th for the breathwork class. The code is O-P-I-W, the initials for our power is within. As usual, if you have found value in this podcast, but have not taken a moment yet to rate or review it on Apple Podcasts, please consider doing that right now before you forget and help me grow this podcast so that this wonderful message of empowerment and healing and possibility can reach more people and fall into more ears. There's also a virtual tip jar link in the show notes where you can support future episodes for as little as 99 cents a month. I hope to see you in breathwork and until next time, make this week great.